Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode 227, and it is a sweaty one here in New York today. But it's reminded me that summer is right around the corner and that summer travel is coming up. Got flights to Iceland so far. So if you've been to Iceland and you have recommendations, please reach out to me. You can DM me on social media or email me. I would love to hear the good places to go, the good things to eat. I'm just excited to get out of the country. You know, we've been doing a lot of cool stuff within the States as much as we could during the pandemic, but we're leaving again. And you got to get back out there too. Like I know I'm, I'm reducing the situation probably, but if you're vaccinated and you're healthy and you're smart, meaning you're still kind of being safe, get back out there. Everyone just watched like a year of crappy TV and series and all that. Enough, man. <laughs> Put that stuff down and get back out there. Well, today I got out there, but I didn't have to go very far because just a couple of blocks away from where I live is a really fantastic artist here in Brooklyn, New York named Say Smith. He does a lot of really cool stuff. It's hard to describe his work. And so I'm not going to. I did ask him to kind of uh, to uh, describe it in this conversation. But also just go to the notes for this episode and open up either his website or his Instagram account and use that as kind of a companion piece to, to listening to, to the audio for this. Because this stuff is really cool. And I was especially interested in talking to him because he has a really wonderful philosophy about the art world. And he has really cool ideas about democratizing the art world and opening up space and availability to include more artists. Here in New York, and I guess a lot of places, there are galleries that do feel kind of exclusive and hierarchical. Um, You've likely seen that there are artists that become quite famous and popular and their pieces become incredibly expensive and most people get priced out. A lot of the people that are actually creating the art get priced out from purchasing art from other people. So it was really cool to pick his brain. His studio is wonderful. I I love going to either the workspace or the studio or the home of the people that I interview. And I've just been really fortunate to get to, to see so many cool spaces. So this was a real treat. Again, go to the notes for this episode and you'll find a couple different links to check out his work. I will also have a link to my Patreon account and that's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly and get some cool kickbacks like zines and stickers and things from my guests and things from around the world. All right, folks, enjoy this conversation with Say Smith. Well, first of all, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, thanks for coming. Um, I do this every single time, so people are probably sick of me saying this, but I'm always really fortunate that I get to be in such cool spaces all the time, Uh, places that I never would have been without doing this podcast. And (laughs) I feel like every place I go kind of one-ups the one before it. And this is a really cool, I guess you would call like home slash studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So thank you for having me here. This is really cool. Oh, man, thanks for coming. Uh, Are you originally from New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in like, uh, well, I was born on uh, Prince and... Uh, Elizabeth, but then I grew up mostly on Second and Bowery, like East Village. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool spot. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were like the arts sort of fostered in your home? Because I know your brother's an artist too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother has his gallery and then, yeah, my mom is an artist and both my grandparents, her parents are also artists. So I guess, yeah, I guess it was, yeah, in the family. Oh, you got it in your blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Um, coursing through the veins. What? Uh, like format do your do your parents work on? Um, my mom does kind of like installation work, but okay. also also uh, paintings and two dimensional, three dimensional things. So kind of a little bit of everything. But uh. working with like 
she um, she works with wool sometimes and like spins her own yarn Whoa. and plant dyes it and uh, and then she works with plasterage as well and so a bunch of different bunch of different things yeah but not not traditional mediums I guess yeah so that's no, one thing yeah that's yeah. cool well I guess and I, I may uh, struggle with the correct terminology sometimes so forgive me oh, if yeah, I'm wrong yeah. but uh, you are also sort of working in non traditional type of medium right yeah 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 yeah, yeah kind of yeah because it's like yeah it's kind of like painting but it's like a little bit different yeah like I'm using acrylic paint but then with like these ones. It's got iridescent film over it, and yeah. so it changes the color every from different angles. It'll look different, or in different lighting, it'll be a different color, and different shapes or things will come out. It, yeah. So, am I correct then? If if I like categorize it right yeah, as, yeah. as minimalism, or yeah, 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 because like all the compositions and the color palette and stuff is pretty minimal. Ah, cool. So I guess it's it's similar. I mean, I guess like uh, conceptually, it's it's different than like what minimalism was in the. 60s or whenever it was first started but but visually it is yeah what was like your sort of first artistic uh, endeavor when you were a kid like what did you start with uh i guess uh i guess probably crayons <laughs> yeah <laughs> but maybe some watercolors too i guess yeah my parents gave me i was uh, messing around with art supplies when i was little yeah, a lot of scribbles and stuff hmm. Yeah, yeah, some real abstract <laughs> expressionism things going on. Do you still have yeah. any of that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I haven't. I haven't seen it. But it would. That would. Be, it would be pretty fun to to bring it back out sometime. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really love about your website is the. I guess that you could call it philosophy. Almost your philosophy on art. I find to be very fascinating. How is that? So I'm gonna probably pick your brain a lot about that in this conversation. Okay, yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you about New York. Um, you know, typically or, or historically, I guess, New York has been a great place for artists. Um, New York has gone through a transformation like a lot of cities do in that we are having a lot more high rises now. Yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. neighborhoods get gentrified. A lot of artists get priced out. Um, you know, I don't know which generation artist you are in New York, but we're a few generations removed from, you know, a lot of the the early artists, if you wanted to say like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, did, did, did and does New York have an effect, do you think, on your work? And has that changed at all throughout your life? Um, yeah, I think it, I mean, it definitely probably has an effect in some ways that I'm not aware of. Mm. But, um, but also, yeah, I think growing up in New York and growing up with my parents who were kind of had, had friends in the, who were artists too and themselves and my grandparents too, just growing up around art and seeing, going to openings of, yeah, parents, friends or things. And there was like in, in real galleries or whatever, but it's like just someone's parents or something yeah. that's there. Just having having the whole art world be so accessible from a young age, I think that probably had an impact of like making it a lot less scary and a lot less intimidating, being like, oh yeah, it's just my friend's parents do yeah. this or my mom's doing it. So it's uh, not, it's nothing crazy. So I think really that probably had an impact on me, just like not not worrying about uh, being like, oh, am I going to find a gallery or how am I going to make it work? Just be like, okay, here's some ideas that I think are interesting. Here's some things I like to see and like, let me just do that. And it's going to be there. It's going to have something. Just, I guess, having like some weird blind faith in like the art world or being part of it. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Do you feel at all that there is a bit of like a higher standard being in New York because there there is like a higher... Um, uh, a larger population of artists here. Yeah, I think I think probably, um, or and maybe maybe it's, it's just also that um, maybe everything's a little more competitive art wise. Mm. Like that there are there are like a handful of galleries, and then and so and but there's so many artists, so many more artists than galleries. So. To like show where the gallery might be more competitive, but then also once you once you're with the gallery for the galleries or for yourself too, it's like finding the collectors, people to buy the work. Mm. It's like competing for that as well a little bit. Oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah, but then also too, 
I wonder, there's, cause there's also is like pretty like fun and nice communities of artists that it's very collaborative and like supportive as well. But I don't know. Yeah, I think a little composition is, is fun. I had, yeah. um, just, uh, last week I interviewed a graffiti artist who was like really prominent in, in the early eighties. And she had a lot of strong words about, or a strong opinion on like the arts education and, and art schools. Oh, and yeah. So this is going to be a big thought. So let me, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. let me try to rein this in a bit. So my, my context for a lot of, or the analogy that I can give for a lot of art is through music. And so if you're familiar at all with the band, uh, Dinosaur Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So, like, really, um, like, fuzzy, distorted guitar tones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really loud in concert. And that may not be for everyone. And they, you know, obviously have a good handle on, like, music theory and, and how to play music. But I don't know if somebody looked at what they're doing with like a classical critical eye that they'll say like, well, this is good, right? But for so many people, they do find it really good. Yeah. I've always thought that with art. And so when she struck that, she sort of struck that chord with me when I say that like, it can certainly be subjective. And to me, some of the best stuff is subjective because when it's revolutionary, like it hadn't been done before. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'll give another one more stupid analogy, but like I think it, it it was Copernicus who came up with like the heliocentric model of the world that like people right. weren't using before him. So I would say, and maybe I'm wrong, that what you're doing is non-traditional and to me in a really cool way. I wonder like how, what your experience was like in school and if what you were doing was sort of like recognized by teachers as like what you should be doing. (laughs) Well, yeah, I was doing like different stuff in school, but I do remember it was funny that reminded me of one time I had like this teacher um, came to the studio where I was doing stuff and I was making, I was just like doing photographs of like, it would be one half something and one half another thing. It would just Mm. be like, if I saw a laptop on a table, it would be like half the laptop, half the table. And it was this series of photographs. And the teacher was uh, talking to me and he said, um, he was like, I can't tell if you're a genius or this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> but then I was like, I was like, I kind of like that line. I was like, that sounds, that's, I'd like to be in that kind of place where it's, I like it when it's so simple that it's like, but there's some kind of fun there and you don't know why it's fun, but you're like, Am I, uh, is this silly or am, or is this something I could really dive into and bite into? And I like, I like that where the initial thing maybe could be. So even with these things, it's, it's all, all the paintings are so simple, but, but then there's something fun too with like, or like these ones, all the color is just shadow. They're just the light bouncing off the color and doing it. And it's just a real simple phenomenon. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, so the actual thing, it's, it's not like, um, yeah, just so simple that it's, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like work really, like create something that's like, oh, no one could ever do this. Like anyone could do this. Hmm. But the fun thing is just like having it out there and maybe presenting it in a way where people can enjoy it. Like I think sometimes maybe that's the thing with art. Like sometimes maybe there's some fun art, but if it's presented in a way where there's these overbearing art theory on it or something, it may be stopping someone from actually having fun with it. And I think the point is to engage or like experience art. And so if you can present it in a way where someone can be like, oh yeah, I, I can, I'm, I'm here and, and like have my own agency looking at it and I'm having a good time. I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. I was wondering if, if everything you do has almost like, I'll word it like this. Well, people will stare at a painting and be like, I understand, I get it. Yeah, like, yeah. do you want people to, or do you, or do you even care if people like understand the exact intention behind it? Yeah, I mean, no, I think I think whatever people's intentions are, I think those are, and that's sometimes the most exciting for me is like, because it used to, like back in the day, I would make some different pieces and I'd have like this pretty specific idea, and I'd be like, okay, this is what I'm trying to do, and I want people to experience it this way, and then they're gonna think this, and then they're gonna think this, yeah. and then it'll, but then uh, when someone comes and they think something completely different. Uh, 
I'm like, oh, wow, I never even thought about that. And so it's suddenly it's more exciting than if you have a whole plan. Because if someone, if you have a whole plan and someone goes through it, they're like, they come to the end and you're like, okay, I guess that happened and it worked or something. But it's more exciting when you have, when you're kind of going and someone like, pick, like picks up on something that you didn't quite, that you like, you're like, I know there's something in this, in this like shadow or shape, but uh, it's just like a feeling for me, but then they can articulate it in words or something. And that's, that's kind of a fun thing. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that mindset about it too. Yeah. I think that that would make it really fun for me to be like, uh, I, I like a lot of stuff that's immersive too, but um, I think that would make it, make it more fun for me to experience as like a consumer of the art. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. And actually, I mean, too, going back to like with like different art theory stuff or about painting, it's like sometimes, like I feel like I, I read like not a lot, but a little bit about all this kind of stuff. And I think about like the trajectory of the history of painting and like what people have done with like abstraction and how mm. people make paint. And I feel like I have all these thoughts that are very specific to just like the art world or art theory. And I have them, but then I want to open the piece up so it doesn't have to be that. But I feel like if you have that little base, it's fun to have because then if someone does have that background or whatever and want to look into it that way, they can be like, oh, and they can find a whole thing. But maybe it's like to go back to like music, it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, knowing music theory and you know, like chord progressions and whatever. And then instead of, you can like phrase the chords differently and maybe like you take out notes and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like people, and then like uh, it's this fun experience where like if someone knows the music theory, they can be like, oh, whoa, there's all this stuff happening. But otherwise, just for your ears, like it sounds like cool and new. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously art is a lifelong pursuit and there's, you know, it's got to be millions of people that are working on some type of artistic project at home like my my stepmom works on these quilts and like you know maybe for for a young person today they'd be like oh that's not cool but it's like no these are like really intricate and and there's a lot of talent and work that goes into it um but it you know it's not her career and likely she'll never get like recognition for it did you have like um a moment or a tipping point where you realize like oh i can actually make a career out of this um Let's see. Well, I guess when, when I, um, after I went to like art school for four years, but then I had some extra credits before I was going to mm. graduate, but it was like, it was like this funny situation where I, I, uh, I got into this advanced painting program. So they gave me my own studio, which was pretty cool. But then the class took up, it was, uh, three days a week and seven hours each class. So I guess Whoa. what's that like 21 hours or whatever. So it took up so many credits that I didn't take a bunch of other classes. I was only in this like studio class for like a year. And then so I had all these extra credits that I had to take in uh. order to graduate. But then I would have had to give up my studio. And I was like, ah, no, it's fine. You guys keep the degree. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I'm going to head out. But then, yeah, but anyway, after that, after that, I moved back to New York and uh, started this like gallery kind of club space with my brother. And so I guess from the beginning, and we just kind of did it, we just like rented a place and we were just throwing parties and mostly making money, just like selling drinks. But also we had like our little gallery and we were like, and I was like showing art there and we had, and so I guess from the beginning, it was always like, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about like being able to make it as a thing because I hit the ground just like being like, I'm just going to do it all myself. Mm. And then over the years of like starting out that way, then slowly now I've been working with other people and then it starts becoming something that's more like tangible and like yeah. that can be more tenable too. But I guess I started just doing it myself. So it, it always seemed possible. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Then, you know, at the end of the day, let's say when, when you're an old man yeah. and you're looking back on your life, like what would success be to you? Um, in the art world, like personally. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's see. I guess, um, I guess, if I was looking back for for the art world, I'd be. I feel like I was successful if I had really changed the trajectory of art history. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if I real, if uh, if it was in the history books there, like, and art was not the same because people started thinking about it differently, or the art market changed in some ways or some things that would be what that would be. That's like hopeful. 
if I could do that, that would be a, yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? If the art market changed? Uh, well, like I have, I have like a bunch of different ideas. I've been, I've written up some different for like mostly like curation and stuff, but it's just different ideas of how you could sell art or have people purchasing art or having art that, that is not the way that it works now where you have like a price and people pay and it's usually a pretty high price and then more people buy and over the time, like if it gets resold for more, the price rises and it eventually becomes a, a price that like almost no one could afford. Yeah. But this would be like, like I had one idea called, that I call Art Casino and I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to, I've written it all up, so I'm going to do it hopefully, hopefully sometime next year or something. But the idea is like I kind of set up like a casino. There's some like poker tables, roulette, blackjack, all this stuff. And then there's a bunch of art on the wall. And so you buy, maybe it'd be like a $20 buy-in to come in and then you can rebuy as much as you want. And you just gamble for however long you want. And then instead of cashing out for cash, you cash out for the, the work on the walls. So you oh. buy the stuff through gambling. Yeah. And so you could come in with $20 and leave with like a $800 painting or something if you just gamble well. That's all. So is that then related to like the, the digital buffet and the digital yeah, yeah, yeah. art market? Can you explain those? Yeah, yeah. So the digital, yeah, so the digital art, art market thing was, um, that was a show I had maybe, I guess it was like a year, year and a half ago or so. But that was a similar idea where I wanted to have a video art and I, I invited a bunch of different video artists to come and there was just uh, descriptions and pictures on the walls of what the pieces were. And then if you wanted to see them, you, you could buy a U, little USB drive and like load it up with the pieces you wanted and paid like a certain amount and then you get the get the work and then you just bring you can bring it back home and then you plug it into your computer and you can see all the video pieces but you don't see them in the gallery you buy them and then you you take them out but oh, it was that's uh, cool. yeah but it was fun it was just like a fun thinking of a way like because usually you go and see video art and it's like showing in a gallery and you'll stop and you'll look at it and then you'll leave the gallery and you don't uh and the video artists I feel like no one really it's hard to, or it's hard to sell video art, especially if you're not established or have a name. So I was thinking this would be a fun way to have like a little mystery too, where it's like, you don't know what the video, what the piece is going to be unless you buy it. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because, and again, when I was preparing for the podcast I had done with, um, her name is Lady Pink. She's a graffiti artist. Yeah. She was in a film called Wild Style uh, from 1983, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... That really pointed out almost like this class difference between like artist and often curator, but certainly between the people purchasing it, which I think you were just like alluding to. Yeah. That there's there's certainly a difference between the person making the art and the person who like, especially if the art becomes very popular, is able to afford that art. And so I guess like what you're talking about is a way to make things more accessible to a wider range of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And yeah. And also the the thing with the video art thing too was when when we, we made all the money and pooled all the money and then it didn't matter what video pieces people wanted to buy or, or like have on their USB, we just split all the money between the artists evenly. So it's like a group show, but it doesn't matter what sells. It was just everyone contributed and got the money based. So that was another funny way of like, yeah, yeah, kind of these different ways of democratizing it or having it be where like not one artist is rising above another artist or different yeah. things like that. But yeah, but actually, yeah, t wait, to your point, I was, there's like a, with the, with the different, yeah, like classes of maybe someone purchasing it or someone making it. I think, it, yeah, it's true. Like with um, the art casino, the idea too, yeah, would be that like you could come in and have, um, yeah, have only like 20 bucks to spend on art, but still be able to buy a piece and you'd be able to buy a piece then at the same like maybe price point that someone else would be buying it just normally. They'd come in with like 1200 bucks or whatever and right. buy a piece, but you'd be paying technically the same amount of money. So the value of that work is still that larger value, but you, you don't necessarily have to have that money to, to get that. Whoa. Which would be cut, part of the piece is that, part of the whole thing with the art casino is that not that you're selling work cheaper, it's just that the work is the same value, but you're able to enter and, and purchase that work for less money. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this is all, these are new concepts to me. This is really exciting. Like, are, oh, yeah. are, are, there, are, are there other people 
that are working to sort of like democratize the the art world like that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a whole, there's probably a whole bunch of people I don't even know about, huh. but there is, um, there is like, um, there's one group, I think they formed like recently and it's like an artist think tank. And I forgot, I'm forgetting now who, what the name of it is or who the person who started it, but it, it's, it was uh, someone who used to be a curator or director at the Bronx Museum, I think, or something. But, and then she worked with the city in like a program getting artists to work city jobs or something mm. like that. But she started like this think tank that's kind of all about uh, art and activism. And so I know there's like that going on. So that probably has to do with kind of, yeah, thinking about class relations in terms of art or things like that or some kind of democratization. Wow. So I know that's that happened like a year ago or so or like last year. And then there's, yeah, there's got to be, there's some other, let me try to think of some other different things that are going on. I don't know. There, yeah, there, there's, there must be, but I, I don't know of, of other things as much, yeah. Oh, uh, that's cool. No, I, I, now yeah. I want to explore that a bit more. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, because I, I think it's a cool story, I wanted to ask you about the pop-up at the Whitney. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I think maybe that's also sort of related to what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was fun. It was part of a project... Um, as part of a project we did called Base 12, my brother and I, we did this when we had the, our gallery called Apostrophe. This project was called Base 12, and we had 12, 12 different artists. And um, the idea was we would have the artists, and they'd all make pieces, and we'd have them in different places. Like, And so one was one was in the Whitney Museum, and we, we had these little paintings, and we like snuck them in under our shirts and in bags and things. And uh, we brought them to... There's like the stairwell in the Whitney with the glass windows. And so we had suction cups with little hooks on them. And we, we put the suction cups up and hung all the paintings on the glass window. And then we had little plaques with the Whitney's font and everything and names of the pieces and the artists. So it looked really official. And we stuck those on the wall with just like double stick tape. But it was a whole, it was kind of like a heist actually, which was fun with uh, my brother and I, we went in like maybe about two or three weeks beforehand and we were like looking around, checking out where the cameras were and stuff, and like, and then see, taking pictures of the plaques and figuring out what the font was and the sizing and everything. And then we were, we were like had to figure out, okay, how are we going to hang it in a way where we don't put any holes in the wall or like, so it so it right. doesn't so it's not a vandalism. A vandalism. Right. <laughs> we don't go to jail or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was pretty fun. So we had to like plan it all out and write it and be like, okay, and we're going to go in this time. And these artists are going to go here, here. We're going to, yeah. Were you watching people's reactions? Yeah, yeah. Because it was actually, we decided to do it on the, the free night. So when everyone could go into the gallery for free. So it was, uh, so there's a big line. So a lot of people were going to be there going through the museum. And, uh, and we had all the art up and it was up for like about 40 minutes. And people were just kind of going through like it was a normal show. Just like, you know, checking out the plaque, looking at the painting. Wow. Like, but then the funny thing was when a guard found it and he was like, what's going on here? <laughs> And then, uh, then the artists started taking the paintings down because they were like, okay, we got to get out of here. So they started taking them down. And then some of the people who were uh, in the museum, just like people who were like coming through to check out the art in the museum, were like, hey, they're taking the art. Oh, <laughs> they're like, they steal it. They're like taking art off the walls and putting it in bags and stuff and running away. Did they call the cops? They were, no, no. They, uh, they ended up just, um, they, they like kicked us all out and stuff and they gave they like banned my brother and I they gave us like a lifetime ban or whatever <laughs> and they were like that's not how you get your work at the Whitney and we're like eh. <laughs> but that's sort of the yeah. point right because like how yeah, yeah. do you get your work in the Whitney yeah there's it, yeah really yeah <laughs> otherwise it just yeah you need some some big collector to buy it and donate it so it pretty much is how you get your work in the Whitney <laughs> Right. Have th yeah. So they've never followed up with you since then to talk to you or? No, no, no. I think they, um, I think they, since we did, we like went through, we like went through all the precautions of getting the suction cups and making it something that left no, there was no trace of it. So it was gone. It was like up and then gone in like five minutes. Mm. And, um, and then we also like got like. We like brought people, like friends of us, ours who like write for different things. So we got some press and stuff. So some people were there writing about it. And, uh, and so it was like, a, I think it was like a fun thing. I think the Whitney like had a good, uh, after, after, the, after the guard told us we were banned for life, I think they had like a good, uh, 
they, they like they didn't mind it so much. They like they dealt they dealt with it okay. I think they were like, oh yeah, that was kind of fun or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because then that that in itself yeah. almost becomes like a the performance of it yeah, is yeah, an yeah. artistic endeavor. Um, and yeah, and I would think it's like your ideas are really interesting. I'd think that they would want to maybe talk to you about how could we make this like a little less hierarchical and 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 more democratized so that we can feature more people or people that haven't had their work purchased for a very high price point or whatever. No, it's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would think, I would think, I mean, there's some museums I think that are thinking about that kind of stuff and doing it, but I think like a lot of, a lot of the bigger ones or even the bigger galleries that kind of having a hierarchy helps their business models Mm. a little bit because if you have like art that's like valued at a certain amount and you have like a handful of people who are buying that and able to buy it and trade it and stuff, then they're able to increase their the value of their collection by donating certain works to museums. And if the museum's going to accept it and that'll increase their collection's value, they'll donate to the museum because that they have they'll their their uh, collection will be worth even more than that. Mm. So like say yeah, say they have like ten Basquiat pieces or whatever and you donate one to a museum and then it raises the value of the whole rest of the collection, so you can donate like a couple million dollars to the museum, as like a, to help it out. And so it's like a funny system where it's yeah. like the more money people make, the it just keeps running, and then you, you the values go up and up, and like the money just keeps coming. And then there's no real incentive to like to switch it up because like to do that would like maybe uh, I guess make the market more volatile, and then you wouldn't know. You wouldn't be able to predict it and like control it as much, yeah. But that would be more fun. That's what I think. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of returning to what I was thinking about before, like in my head here, um, in that you know, there's I, th- I think it's Rothko, right, who has a painting. It's like a yellow background and it's just a red square on the yellow background. Yeah, yeah. And to a lot of people, I think they would look at that and they would say. Like that's very simple, um, but like the original would—I don't even know how much that would go for, but a hell of a lot of money. And like I'm really interested in um, if you've been to the the Rubin Museum, they have a lot of Himalayan art, and I, I don't know why, but I love like the Wheel of Life imagery from like Tibet and and the Himalayan region. Oh yeah. Um, and like the intricate masks with the little like skulls around like um, yeah. various deities and stuff like that. And to me, there's so many like intricate lines, and there's so much happening that in that. And to me, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe that would require more like very fine arts talent, right? But that probably, you know, a lot of tattoo artists will do visuals like that, but that's not going to sell for what like a Rothko would. So it's it's weird to me. I guess what becomes popular over something else when it is very subjective because someone could look at that Rothko and be like, "Oh shit, I think this is trying to do this." Right, right, right. Do, do you yeah have to grapple with that at all in the in the yeah world? sometimes. I mean, I guess with I guess with art, I always feel like it really it's I guess it's really just about the for me at least I think it's about like the experience of whoever's looking at it, whatever mm. they're gonna experience. And, uh, and so there can be technique or whatever, or there can be some art theory or whatever, but it, it depends. Like if something like, if, if technique is something that'll, that'll really like take you to a place where it like, I guess maybe going back to music, it's like, there's like, it's like free jazz or something. Like some mm. people like can get, they're like, oh man, it's what it's doing with like breaking down music theory, chord stuff. That's really, and other people will be like. I don't know, it's kind of noise and it's like, you know, and so it's like stuff like that where it's like, or, or like some pop music could be so simple, like music theory wise or whatever, but someone just like, when I listen to it, I smile or something or like it puts me in this mood. And I think art is like the same, it's the same. It's like one thing can hit you and it could be anything. It could be like a highbrow thing or a lowbrow thing, but if it's hitting you and it's like, and it's, and it's making you interested in something or like. Then I think it's it's doing something well, and some and some of the best art I think has has both like has technique, but also is able to like 
go beyond that technique and and skill and be like, here's something else that's going to hit you on this level or that level. Ah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I love to think about when I haven't met the artist is like, what is your workspace like? I'm here in it. So I know what your workspace is like, but do you need like a, an optimal setting to be your most creative? Um, no, not really. Kind of like anywhere, uh. anywhere I could do, but it, and it would just, I guess it would just depend. Like if there's a bigger space, I can make bigger work. And uh, if it's a smaller space, I have to do some smaller stuff or more drawings. But like anywhere I am, I think I come up with something that that fits the space. But I guess you kind of work to the space, so it's like, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Is your brain always going? Yeah, kind of. Or well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I can just like watch YouTube videos and not think about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, when I well, yeah when I'm in the studio or when I'm like working on something, yeah, it's always going on different. Yeah, even like sometimes I make music as well. So sometimes I just like write some songs or something too. And sometimes it, it works back and forth with like making art and coming up with ideas. Like I feel like it's fun to have different outlets for ideas or like thoughts or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. How much do you work on, or is there a lot of work that you do that doesn't become a finished product? So like I, I try to write oh, yeah, and yeah. all the time I write, and the next day I'll look at it and be like, oh, I fucking hate this. I, there's no way I'm going to finish this. And so I just have like, just like my uh, Google Drive is just like full of half-finished documents. Um, yeah. Do you have that experience at all with the work that you do? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, also even even just with writing, like for all for every like series of paintings that I make or every show, there's like a bunch of writing that goes into it. Like I'll write about, okay, here's the ideas, here's what I'm thinking. And maybe it'll be a bunch of different thoughts. I'll be like, here's a small essay about like, this is what I'm thinking in terms of like light or here's what in terms of like how history's gone and the trajectory of painting, here's how this work fits in. And I'll write like these little small essays and I'll have just like a whole series of like half finished essays or notes or something on my computer about each show. And just like a bunch of writing with all the different ideas. But I think like that's kind of like the basis is like if there's all these ideas that I've kind of thought through, then when when someone's going to the show, they might think one of these ideas or it might be it might be there in the work if I've already spent the time like thinking about it and like trying it as I'm as I'm going. So there's yeah, there's a lot of random writing that I do. But then also with the with the actual physical paintings, there's like a lot of times I'll make stuff that I don't like and it doesn't look good. But I just leave it and I'll be like, I'm just going to do another layer. I just keep putting more layers because you can always make it yeah, white yeah. and start again. And so I feel like there's almost, almost very rarely do I leave something that I don't like. I just keep painting over it, paint it white and just add more texture and then get going. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you, yeah. you, you know who David Cho is? Oh yeah, the the chef or no? Uh, no, oh. um, that's that uh, David Chang. <laughs> oh, yeah. David Cho yeah. is the artist who, he had done like some mural work for Facebook Oh, um, yeah. He does like really cool stuff. He's friends with David Chang. Oh, nice. But he'll do these like progress or like process, I guess, videos all the time doing exactly what you said, where he'll do a whole work and yeah. it looks incredible. And then he'll just cover it up. And I'm like, no, don't do that, dude. That was beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it, maybe it's a silly question, that, but like, is there a certain way that you know that like this is? Done. Like this is ready for a gallery. Um, I don't know. I guess really it's just like, uh, I guess I'm just like the first audience. So I'll do something and I'm like, am I having a fun time looking uh. at this? Like, or I'll try to think, okay, if I was someone and I was seeing this for the first time, what's going to be my experience? Am I, and when I come up to it, am I going to think this or that? Or like, is it a fun, ex- is there, is there enough stuff visually that's engaging to look at and going to make me think about other things? for it to be an enjoyable experience or is there not enough there? Those are basically the criteria. It's like I walk up to it and I'm like, is there enough here I can spend some time if I was anybody or do I need to add some more stuff or change it up? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Are there particular artists or musicians or whomever that you like draw a particular influence from? Um, I don't know. Not, not so much influence. There's a bunch of, bunch of people I really like. But I don't know. I mean, there's probably a bunch of subconscious influence yeah. that I'm not even aware of. Uh, I guess, I guess aesthetically, I have some influence from like my my grandparents. They're both like 
strict minimalist artist from like the from like the sixties. Uh-huh. And so I guess that kind of minimal aesthetic comes through just from like growing up around it so much probably. So that's probably there a little bit. And then I always like um I always like artists who do like kind of uh, conceptual things that are kind of fun mm. and have like this engagement. Like there's this artist, uh, David Hurwitz, I think, or Hurwitz, but he um, he does this thing. Uh, he had this one piece where he took a bunch of pictures at lakes, different lakes all around like America or something. And he's just, he just very tiny in the picture, but then he uploaded them all to Wikipedia as the picture of that lake. So it'd be like the Wikipedia page for like Lake Tahoe. And they accepted it. Yeah, because it it doesn't look like there's a person. It looks like it's a nice picture of a lake and he's just really tiny down there. And so he had like, he had himself on all these Wikipedia pages as like the photo for the lakes. And that was like a project (laughs) he did. Yeah, yeah, it was super fun. Or he's got another one on his website that says, um, it's like PayPal me a dollar and I'll think about you for a minute, and that's that was that's his piece. You just and you, you don't know, but you, yeah, you could just send him a dollar and he'll he'll think about you for a minute. But yeah, that's so cool. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna ask you then because you have something that I think was like very playful like that and incorporated other people. Um, the the painting's journey, right? Oh yeah. Can yeah. you talk about that project? Yeah, yeah. That one was. Uh, I guess yeah. I'm always thinking too, or I'm always interested, yeah, in how people, yeah, how people experience it, or like how like you, you maybe you see a painting and then you have some idea and then you'd be like, now I'm gonna write a song, or like now I'm gonna do this or something, and it has some influence on it. So I, I like made this little painting, and like I I contacted some different people, mostly people I knew, and uh, who were writers, and I uh, and I gave them the painting and I said. You can have this, have this, hold on to this painting and have it in your house for like a week or two weeks and then just write something. It can be anything. Just write something. It's, it could be about the painting. It could be just inspired by the painting, anything. Just like write something and send it back to me. And so the painting would travel then from different people's houses as they were writing about it. And so it took about like a year for it to travel around to all the people's houses. And, and then I got a whole variety of writings from like poems to like, more like an essay or... That's so cool. Yeah, it, it was is fun. Can people read that somewhere? Yeah, yeah, it's all... So then I uh, uploaded all the writing. Like I made like kind of a travel blog and Whoa. all the writing is just like little uh, entries on this on this blog online. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like... So I was imagining it like a painting and it was like a painting was journeying around and like people would write about this guy on this journey or whatever and then he uploaded it all on the internet all these little writings, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. It, I'm not comparing myself to your world at all, but I've been working on something for like two years at this point. Um, <laughs> obviously, like travel is sort of like the context through which I really like view the world. And yeah, I've been to so many amazing places where like people are, let me think of this, but so like in Death Valley, um, there's this wall called like artist's palette because it looks like a palette and it's all these like sort of like otherworldly hues. To me, it looks like um, when you get like the chocolate vanilla strawberry ice cream and it's got the stripes, it looks kind of uh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but my partner Leslie and I went and we just like sat there maybe in a certain uh, inebriated mindset <laughs> and like just watched this artist's palette for a while. And all these people would just drive up, get in front of it, take a picture, pose a couple times, and then leave. And we're like, holy <laughs> shit, you didn't experience this at all. Um, so I was like, I want to show people the world through photographs that aren't edited. Um, you can't do multiple takes. And the photographer doesn't even know how it looks because nowadays we all have our phones. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So simple to just, you can still get disposable cameras. Right, right. So right now I have like people all around the world where I've sent them a disposable camera. I'm like, just take the roll of film and like Jakarta, Indonesia. Show me Jakarta, a day in the life of Jakarta yeah. through your eyes. You're not going to know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, I'll pay for everything. You'll mail it back to me. I'll develop it, and then I'll put out a zine eventually. And it might all look like shit. Who knows? Because you don't know. Right. <laughs> and you're so used to having your phone to take multiple pictures. So um, I say that to say, like, I, I, I love that idea <laughs> um, that you did, and that, that, that hits me, like, right in my creative place. 
No, that yeah, that sounds super cool. It, yeah. yeah, it's fun too because it's like it's fun to like do a project where you don't know what the outcome is. But that's kind of the exciting part. Yeah, it's like yeah, you send the, all these cameras out, and it's gonna be fun to see like the similarities, the differences. Like yeah, yeah what? Are, yeah, that's gonna be super fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely give you one of those when it's eventually yeah, uh, yeah. when I publish that. No, have, yeah. Have you ever had work uh, like featured overseas, or has anyone like bought work overseas? Um. Yeah, some people have uh, have bought some work, I think. Or, well, this one person, yeah, she bought a painting. She's from Georgia. I think she's here now, but she's taking the work back to Georgia when she goes. So I guess there'll be some, some painting there. Oh, that's awesome. And then I got, uh, maybe that's, I guess, yeah, one, one of my friends got a painting from me in, uh, in London. So I guess there's one there. But mostly in America, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, what you, I think you mentioned it before, and, and people can't see this right now, but behind you, what is the material that you use? Oh, it's um, iridescent film. Oh, okay. So it's like, a, yeah, like kind of, a, it's transparent. So you can kind of see through it. You can see behind like the paint, paint strokes. But then because of the iridescence, um, when you move around, it changes color. So underneath it is just all white. So all of that is just white paint. And then, yeah, from from in front of it, it looks different. And then you walk to the side and it'll change colors. Oh. How long yeah. have you been working with that type of material? Um, this this material, maybe, maybe only like a year and a half or so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe about that. Maybe like two years, yeah. It makes me think of yeah. two things. It makes me think of... Um, Space, um, and the reason for that is like when you there's like these like heated like I guess like heater like I've seen this in films like like blankets that they'll wear in like space oh, movies, yeah, yeah. and it's like crinkly and it reflects the light like that, and it also makes me think of candy. Like I was when I was looking at your stuff online, I just kept thinking about like candy bar wrappers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you do you get like a common? Uh, idea that people think it is or it means like like does anyone ever say something like really crazy and you're like what I never even would have thought of that one yeah yeah no no yeah really it's all all over the place yeah like uh, trying to think of the craziest well yeah once I made this uh, this like collector he he got this piece and uh, it was um it had it was with the iridescent film. But it had one like line down the down the center that was uh, there was no it was like two boards and then there was a gap with nothing just like blank and so because of the two the two boards were white and then in between them where there was no no wood it was just empty space it was kind of a black line so the iridescent film changed color on that line oh cool because there was nothing behind it but then uh, but so he got this piece and then he was telling me he was like yeah it's um it's like it's like uh, that line, that zero line of zero, and it's negative infinity going one way, and then positive infinity going the other way. So it's the space right in between uh, oh. infinity, both negative infinity and positive infinity. And, and I was like, wow, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see it, but it was like I'd never thought about it, so it was really cool. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but even candy, I never, I haven't heard candy before, so that's cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it. Uh, it makes me uh, like on, like the image that pops up in my head is when like I would go as a kid trick or treating, and when you'd come home, I, I, we would always use like the pillowcases, right, to get candy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'd <laughs> leave all the candy in there, and so sometimes you would eat it, but you'd leave the wrapper in there, and you'd look in and you see that sort of like reflective gray, crinkly material, and that's what it makes me think. Of. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. No, yeah, I always like yeah any any kind of things, and then too, I always think it's it's fun like if it. Like now I'm thinking you're saying candy and I'm like, okay, it's like candy and maybe it's like there's some hidden sweetness behind this thing. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. the paint becomes like this this treat that's that's uh, wrapped up or something. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is, yeah. It's fun, yeah. It's fun always, I think, to like, when you're thinking about art, to like have fun with it. Because I think it's like the art becomes art when people are like coming up with their own ideas for it and able to like, have some creative or fun idea. Like I think anyone who's looking at art can come up with a really an idea that makes the art like special and makes it cool. 
And if the art's made well, it'll have a lot of avenues for people to be like coming up with their own ideas. Mm. And I feel like sometimes art that I don't like so much or that I think is not so good doesn't have enough avenues for people so that if someone comes in, they can't have their own fun idea with it. Like they either have to think the artist's idea or there's nothing else there. Oh, that's cool. Right. Because I think I always think it's the the audience or the viewers that make the art. Like the art's not complete unless someone sees it and has their own fun idea with it. Going back to space, um, yeah, yeah. Not, not space, outer space, yeah. but like the physical location of art. Um, well, one of the locations for that pop-up series is a subway, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So naturally, subway cars, going back to that graffiti conversation, subway cars in the uh, late 70s and 80s were like totally tagged up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was not alive yet, but I've, I've seen plenty of videos of them. Um, what do you think of, or if you think about where like art is heading, do you ever think of sort of like public spaces and accessibility or like how can more people get involved in artistic endeavors that maybe live in a housing project where like all these people are packed in and there's not the space for it? Um, like, yeah, like does it make sense that we're tagging up the sides of buildings or like how do we make it more, I don't know if equitable is the right word or just maybe more normalized that people yeah, are yeah. No, no, I think, yeah. Let me see, like off the top of my head, I could think of a couple of different ideas, but I think like, yeah, one thing is like really, um, I think if you have some like fun public art stuff, that's like, that has some kind of element of like engaging where, where the people, anyone walking by is like a participant and not just kind of like a passerby that could, and, and if it's like fun too, like maybe something like a treasure hunt or like. Like a scavenger hunt where the, mm. where the piece is just like a map and the actual work is these different places, maybe like, like in a build, in like a big like building or something like, um, you could have, there could be in like different floors or in the hallways or stuff. And maybe it's not a full painting. It's only like little pieces and you like take pictures and then you'd only see it if you put all that stuff together yourself, you see the full painting or something like that oh, with just cool. pieces everywhere. But I think like when it's fun, then people want to, they want to like engage with it. And once you engage with it a little bit and you're like, okay, I'm, I like want to invest in like experiencing this art, you get more out of it. And then you'll be like, okay, now I want to have more art and I'm going to, I'm going to need to demand more access to art because this is something that I want to be part of my life. And I feel like sometimes the art world maybe like closes it off. And if you don't have that experience, maybe then you, or, or, and it makes it hard to demand it. Cause you'd be like, I want it. And then the art world would be like, well, no, 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 no. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying, but they, I think, uh, I mean, I always err on the side of like having like fun games involved because I just like games and fun stuff. But uh, but I think just having or even just having like some kinds of things where people can own work and either own it or just rent it for little things. Just having stuff like having paintings in your house is just like is like for if you're an artist, you can make your own paintings, which is nice. But just like having a bunch of work everywhere, yeah, really does like make it. It's like it's like a nice living experience. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I think we were saying this uh, before, even like when we first started. But whenever I'm in spaces where I get to be like in an artist workshop or something, it, it just being around it is like very inspiring and kind of calming in a way. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. I mean, yeah. Also, too, I think like it could be cool to have programs where where it can where people can have art just the air. But then I think maybe that's why you need to have like um, good like social programs and stuff so that people have like, if you have the stability, like where you're not, where like, cause if you need, if you're like need to like pay rent and like need money for food and stuff, you don't want to have a painting. You'd rather yeah. just have like, just pay <laughs> the rent or something, you know, like, it, yeah, it's hard work. Yeah. And so, but yeah, that's why maybe it's true. Like for for like art to succeed, maybe a component of it has to be trying to figure out ways where you can bring um, bring up like have it have it yeah have like enough social programs and stuff where art can be something fun to experiment with. 
because like otherwise it it's it it can be still but actually art also I feel like is a good area for um experimentation like with alternative systems of um commerce or something you can because you can explore with art in a way where people where the stakes are low enough where you could be like okay let's think about how we value uh possessions or something in a different way and what can what kind of a system can we come up with where we can be trading or putting certain types of value or we can we can instead of having a monetary value we put a certain type of another type of value onto this object and then we and then we have a price related to that like say something has a certain type of experiential value or emotional value, and then we'll put we can put a different price on it, but the the monetary value of it can stay. I don't know. It can no, get no, I yeah. understand exactly where you're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brain is <clears throat> popping a little bit there when you were talking about, um, I guess, sort of how we allocate resources to the arts, and I was just thinking that like we we had such an intense response economically to what happened with the pandemic. Yeah. In that we had stimulus bills. I, I won't get into politics, but like a lot of that went to corporations. But very, very. Right. Um, but that was the response to be like, "Oh, we need to save the economy." But like, mental health is bad right now, and like, New York City is getting kind of violent. Um, people all over the country are freaking out. And I was just thinking when you were saying that, like, what if they had an artistic outlet? Like I haven't yeah. heard that at all. Like as a response to the pandemic, like let's give people. I don't even know what it would look like. I'm just thinking about this, but like let's give people a way to express themselves to get out whatever emotion they're feeling. And I was even thinking, I can't remember the details of this, so I'm gonna screw it up. But there was a documentary. I, th- I think it was a Japanese gentleman. Now I'm like questioning: was it was it a woman? <laughs> um, and they would put on like boxing gloves and dip them in paint. I don't oh, know if yeah, you've ever seen yeah. that, and like punch the mural. Yeah, yeah. And to me it seems like such a visceral way to get out your aggression, but then also looked really cool because it would splatter like away from the fist. Like um and yeah. that to me would be like, oh yeah, that's probably like really therapeutic. <laughs> like if everybody had that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, yeah. I think I remember it was I think it was called like Beauty in the Boxer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. No, it's true. I think and even even just like Having art in your house, or at least for me, it's like just uh, looking at paintings. I mean, I guess I have a little, it's a little different since I made the painting, so maybe the feeling is a little bit different. But I think even for anyone, just like if you have a little painting in your house and you wake up and you see that and you're like, here's this little cool thing that I like looking at it and it's mine. Mm. And that's probably like just a nice feeling. And maybe you don't really, maybe it doesn't have an immediate effect, but maybe subconsciously it has like some kind of effect where it changes your outlook just slightly and maybe that leads to some other things or like who knows the ripple effects that like just having art in your house could have could have yeah yeah it's interesting and i think you know if especially if it's tied to memory or makes you think of a certain positive feeling i think about this all the time that like most of the time when you're hanging out with friends you're talking about other shit you did. Yeah, like, yeah. You're just talking about other times, especially if it's someone you haven't seen in a while. I'm just going to tell you about other things I did and they're going to tell you too. Um, and to me, like food is very much like that too. Like this positive experience of food is make, of, of eating something delicious is making me think of whatever. Like uh, when I was a kid and I would get pizza or when I was a kid and my grandma made this cool thing or whatever it was. And so, so much of our like um, brain energy is going to like remembering other positive times. And I think that that is what art does a lot of. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And I guess especially for someone like a collector who's buying art, it's like, it's that experience. You, you went to a gallery, you liked that piece and you bought that piece. And now every day, yeah, you have a reminder of that time in in your house it's like oh yeah i went in there i really liked i connected it with this way and then you get to relive that yeah it's true like that's yeah did you people can't see it but did you make this like five paneled piece back here oh no this is uh this is my roommate charlie oh okay okay yeah it's a fun one oh man yeah Yeah. like again i don't know but it's it's making me think of the beach yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and um in uh there, there are some islands in uh, Indonesia where uh, one can 
legally participate in the consumption of psilocybin. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's on the beach. And if you are someone that does that type of thing, when the waves are coming in, it looks like layers, like layers of a layer cake. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's making me think of that. Oh, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, that's the cool thing, too, with like, with like paintings. I guess it's similar with songs or anything. It's like you can see a painting and it reminds you, yeah, of some other location. And maybe the, the person who painted it was, was painting a, a whole beach somewhere else. Mm. But then you, you form your own connection with it. Or maybe then you'll go to another beach even. Yeah. And then you look back at this painting and it's that other beach or something. Yeah. But or similar with like songs, like there's certain songs I'll have like a memory of like a certain place. Maybe I was like listening to it, but then maybe I'll have another experience with that song and I'll have a, a new memory and I can listen to the song and be like going back to one memory or to another or something. Oh yeah. And so it can keep like, it can keep like evolving and changing like you're, yeah, yeah. You go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's definitely with like paintings as well. Yeah, yeah. You guys were very fortunate to have this space during a pandemic and a lockdown. Yeah. Were you able to maintain your creativity and get a lot of work done? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, I guess because like a lot of the time anyway, I'm, I spend a lot of it just at home mm. and just like working here. So it was pretty, so my actual daily life didn't change too much. And then actually, surprisingly, during the pandemic, like, uh, it wasn't so bad for like sales, like for the art world. Oh. And maybe it was like people were just in their house so much that they were like, I want to, I want to get a painting for, to hang on a wall or something. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But it was, and it was a lot, it was like more online sales the past year. It was like people would see a picture and then they were, they would buy it and you'd ship it out or whatever. Oh. So it wasn't so many in-person ones, but yeah, it actually was, the year was not too bad. Cool. Which was kind of nice. Yeah. Are you, is there anything that you're working on now or is there something you're curating? Like, is there anything that people can expect from you in the near future? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, now I'm working on, I'm going to have a solo show coming up in uh, September at, uh, at my brother's gallery. It's called Key Smith Gallery on uh, 4th Street between uh, A and B. Okay. And so that's going to be in September. I think September like the first week in September or something, or maybe second, yeah, first or second week in September. But so, yeah, so right now I'm getting ready. I've been doing like a bunch of writing for the show, just writing about the different ideas and cool. stuff. And then uh, the, the show's going to be, um, the idea for this show is it's going to be ref um, these iridescent pieces, but I'm going to get a bunch of different people and uh, talk to them and ask them about, like what was the background they imagined for a portrait of themselves? Like oh, what's in cool. the background of a portrait of those? And then I take, I'll take notes or maybe some picture references or things. And then I'm going to actually paint it realistic backgrounds of what people imagine. And then I'm going to go over in white and make a simplified, like more minimalist background and then put the iridescent film over. And so, but the iridescent film was reflective too. So when you stand in front of the piece, you see your own face. So it's kind of a portrait of whoever's looking at it. So it'll be a whole show of like portraits of whoever sees the painting. Are you going to film that or anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to document it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then actually in the back of the, pa of the painting, I'm going to have a photograph of what the, what the uh, realistic painting looked like and maybe some notes and stuff. So there'll be a whole like little history in the back. So if you buy the painting, you get this little like history. Oh, of the I painting. love that. Yeah. When you do those kind of write-ups um, and someone comes to a gallery... Do do you ever do like a hard format of that where they actually get to like walk around with it or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I don't, I think the gallery, I'm going to give the gallery all this writing and I think they'll kind of have a little write up something okay. or edit it down or pick out whatever this stuff is good and make like a little thing. But then also I think there's going to be a book, a, oh. a book that goes along with the show that's going to have pictures and writing and stuff in it. Oh, that's And so awesome. that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be like a little catalog that goes along with the show with all the writing and pictures and process stuff. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I got to yeah. check that out. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. So um, for folks listening, if they want to check that out in the future, if they want to check out your work, where's the best place that we can send people? Um, I guess they could, yeah, check out my website, which is say sei-smith.com or my, or Instagram. Where I think I'm at Say Smith. Yeah. Just one, yeah, one word, S-E-I-S-M-I-T-H. Instagram probably is, I'll be like posting whenever I'm doing stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, so everybody Thank listening knows uh, yeah, yeah. whatever app you're in, I'll link to those and they yeah, can yeah. just click on the hyperlink and get straight to it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. No, we're good. And I try to keep update my website and put anytime I write anything that I think is kind of fun, I'll, I'll throw it up somewhere. Or I, sometimes I leave hidden links on my website. There's a lot of random spaces that link to fun YouTube videos and just blank white spaces. <laughs> but if you click on some different parts, it'll <laughs> go different places. I am now remembering. <laughs> What did it take me to? I went to your website. There was something in the lower right corner. And I remember clicking and I was like, was this a mistake? What was it? I'm glad it was purposeful. What was it? Oh, man. I can't remember. Maybe some funny music video or something? I think it might have been. I th it was yeah. actually, I think it was for the project where you had people writing, where you were mailing it out. And it says something like, explore this more or something. And I clicked on it and I was like, where did this just bring me? Um, <laughs> that's awesome though. So yeah, um, for everyone listening, you can go to the show notes and you can find the hyperlinks to all that stuff. Uh, this was fascinating and really cool. And yeah. uh, I love your ideas and I hope that it uh, creates some inspiration for people listening. So uh, again, I just want to say thank you so much. Oh, thank you. No, this is super fun. Cool. Yeah. All right, Voyagers, that is a wrap on episode 227 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Lots of cool stuff coming up. More travel besides just Iceland, but I don't want to announce anything until I have it fully booked because then I know it's a reality. But I say that to say that there's cool stuff on the horizon. The voice that you hear sometimes when I'm traveling around uh, asking questions on this podcast that voice is Leslie. Her birthday is this week. So show, show her some love. Happy birthday, Les. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Voyagers, as always, please, 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 please take care of each other. I will catch you very soon.